There are many ways people listen to Vision, including DAB Plus Digital Radio. If you're in Greater Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane and have a digital radio receiver in your car or home, you'll find Vision Christian Radio on the station list. If you're visiting one of these cities and hiring a car, there's a good chance it will have a DAB receiver and you'll be able to enjoy vision with exceptional sound quality while you drive around. If you don't already own a DAB receiver, you'll find many models, including clock radios at electronic retailers for under $100. To find out more about vision on digital radio and whether you're within the broadcast footprint, see vision.org.au slash DAB. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. They say that following Jesus isn't easy because following Jesus means swimming against the tide of popular opinion. Following Jesus all too often, in fact, most of the time, means going in the opposite direction. That's why we need power, power unlimited, to follow Jesus. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the final message in this series, Power Unlimited. And I can't help myself, we're going to get really, really practical in terms of seeing that power unleashed in your life. Amen. So let's head into God's Word. We've all heard of those word associations tests that psychologists use. You know, they say black, you say white. They say rabbit, you say carrot. Day, night, God, mm, love, devil, mm, evil, Bible, mm, Bible. Now, how do you respond to that? Stuffy, old, irrelevant? Well, different people will have some different views, but actually, in Australia where I live, the Bible is one of the least trusted of all historical documents. Over the last few weeks on the program, we've been talking about the incredible power that we unlock when we read the Bible. But this thing that we call the Bible, it's a big book. It's it's massive and it can be daunting. So today I thought it might be useful just to have a look and see what this Bible is exactly. I want to share with you a secret. It's sad but true. I never read a book cover to cover until I was well into my 20s. I I managed to get through school and university and did pretty well, I might add, without ever reading a book from beginning to end. I remember at university in the first year English, we studied the book Wuthering Heights, which absolutely bored me to tears. I'm sorry, but I never opened the book once. There are companies that publish crib notes, you know, the summary of the book and a a summary of what's in it and a summary of what some critics say. So I just quickly read the crib notes, wrote essays and did by and large reasonably well. And I never, ever liked libraries either. You know how libraries have that kind of dusty, dank smell? All of them are the same. Every library on the planet has the same smell. I thought about it for a while and I thought, Bernie, why don't you like libraries? Why did it take you so long to read your first book? The answer, I guess, has two parts. Firstly, libraries for me always felt really big and inaccessible. They have tens of thousands of books. And in the old days, when I was at university, they had card systems for accessing or finding things. I mean, these days they have computers. That old 
card system had what they called the Dewey Decimal Classification System, and finding anything just took so incredibly long. And secondly, when you did find the stuff, there was always so much of it. There was so much time involved to, I don't know, look through all those books and research them. I mean, some people are natural bookworms. Well, I'm not. And still, frankly, I don't like libraries. I'm sorry if you're a librarian, I just don't like libraries. I haven't darkened the doorstep of one since I finished my last degree quite a few years ago now. You know something? I think for a lot of people, the Bible is exactly like that. It feels big and dusty and inaccessible. There are many, many people who wouldn't mind having a read, but for goodness sakes, where do you start? Well, today, let's break it down a bit. Let's make it a bit more accessible. Remember when I started at Bible college only a few months after becoming a Christian, everyone took for granted that we knew about the Bible. The reality was I didn't, and my hunch is I wasn't alone. Let's unpack it a bit. Let's, let's demystify it a bit. All of a sudden, you know, it becomes a whole bunch more accessible. The thing that we call the Bible is made up of 66 books written by different people over somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 years. That's the kind of period over which the Bible was written. And it wasn't just written by different people, but at different times. And the last book was written, well, almost 2,000 years ago. There are essentially two parts of the Bible. This was complete news to me when I first opened it, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when I started at Bible college, I didn't know which one was which. The Old Testament, well, the Old Testament is God's story and the story of how he interacted with and engaged his chosen people, the Israelites. The Old Testament was written completely B.C., before Christ, before Jesus came on the earth. What Christians call the Old Testament is in fact exactly the same as the Jewish Hebrew Scriptures. Jews still use those same Scriptures today. Christians call that the Old Testament. It's written mostly in the original language of Hebrew, the language of the Jews. Now, there's small parts of books like Daniel, which were written in a language called Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus actually spoke. But by and large, the Old Testament was originally written in the Hebrew language. And what we have today, the thing that we call the Old Testament, is an English translation of that. Now, there are lots of funny names of books, Deuteronomy and Judges and Chronicles, and there's Ezekiel. There are 39 separate books in the Old Testament. And there are four main parts to the Old Testament. The first five books, Genesis to Deuteronomy, are the Jewish or the Hebrew law, the Torah. And when you go from Joshua through to Ezra and Nehemiah, and that's kind of the history of what God did and how his people responded. Thirdly, after that, there are the wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastics, Song of Solomon and Lamentations. And the rest of the books in the Old Testament are written by men called prophets, men whom God called to call his people back unto him. That's the Old Testament. It's a story of God engaging with God's people, the Israelites. And the New Testament is 27 books. Now, it was mostly written in the Greek language. The first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are the gospel accounts. They're the historical accounts of Jesus' life and his ministry. The next book, the book of Acts, is the story of the first 20 or so years of the church after Jesus rose again to be with his father. Then there are a whole bunch of letters called the epistles from people like Peter and John and Paul written to the various churches that they were involved in, or in some cases, to individuals. Now, this may be old hat to some, but I know that to many people, just a simple understanding of the basic structure of the Bible 
is going to really help. I know that when I was a new Christian, no one, no one ever bothered to explain this stuff to me. <laughs> I wish they had. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by online at ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. Completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. So many people, when they open their Bibles, run into a significant problem. They don't quite understand what's going on. That's certainly the problem I used to run into. It's not that I'm stupid. It's just that a lot of it didn't make all that much sense to me. So if you find yourself in that boat from time to time, stick with me, because today we're going to make your Bible a whole bunch more accessible to you. I have to tell you, that thing that they call the Bible was a real problem for me. I mean, first coming to grips with the fact that it is what it says it is, the Word of God, but then just getting into it. It's made up of 66 separate books written over somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 years at different times, in different places, in different cultures. So there are words and names and places and concepts and and ways of thinking that just aren't familiar to us. We're continuing today in our series, Power Unlimited, because that's what God's Word brings into our lives. So right now, we're going to get down and really practical on just how to get into the Bible, because unless we do, we're going to miss out on much of the power that God wants to pour into our lives. Over the years, I've discovered a few very simple helps or resources that have made such a difference in making sense of God's Word. You see, it turns out that there's a whole bunch of people much smarter than you or me who've done some great research and put the information together in such easy, usable ways, and all their work makes getting into God's Word, the Bible, so much easier for the likes of us. Today, I just want to share some of those resources with you. Remember 20 or so years ago, just after I became a Christian, I started attending a tiny little Baptist church in the southern suburbs of Sydney, a little place called Oyster Bay. Our pastor, Pastor Phil Littlejohn, was a passionate and gifted Bible teacher, and that man has had a huge impact on my life. Now, as well as Sunday services, the church used to have these little home Bible studies, and we'd meet one night a week in someone's house. In our small group, five of us would get together, and at the time, the particular little home fellowship that I joined was studying the Old Testament book of Hosea. So, so we'd lob in there each Wednesday evening, we'd have a cup of tea and some fellowship, and then we'd sit down and do a Bible study together. And right through that book, over and over again, Hosea talks about Ephraim. 
That word is mentioned 29 times in the book of Hosea. So I remember asking these people, most of them had been Christians for a lot longer than me. I said, okay, we want to understand this. Who or what is this Ephraim thing? I mean, Hosea kept talking about it, and so it seemed to me quite central to what he was trying to say. But you know something? No one could tell me who or what Ephraim was. Now, it turns out that Ephraim was one of the tribes of Israel. Ephraim was one of Joseph's sons, and there's a whole history around this tribe and how they rebelled against God. But we didn't know that in the Bible study. So a lot of what God was saying to us or trying to say to us through this amazingly powerful book of Hosea, well, it was frankly lost on us. And that sort of thing happens a lot more than you might think. Consider the story of the Good Samaritan. It loses its whole meaning if you don't understand the Samaritans, who they were, and what the Jews thought of them. Now, when Jesus told that story to the assembled masses, they all knew the Samaritans and who they were, but we don't know that. And there are names and places and concepts and and ways of thinking in the Bible that are foreign to us because we're separated from them by time and by culture. It might have made sense to the people back then, but not us now. And unless we understand those things, we miss out on the richness, on the, on the gravity, on the power of what God is trying to say to us. I remember coming to grips with a Jewish system of blood sacrifice in the Old Testament. Now, I kind of think about blood sacrifice, and it's pretty ghastly to me here and now, but it's something I really had to understand to comprehend what Jesus did for me on the cross. So I decided... I was going to find out, not just skim the surface, not read through a story and have them talk about Ephraim or Samaria or all those other things I didn't know about and miss out on what God was trying to say to me through the story. Now, these accounts were written such a long time ago and God has preserved them and kept them accurate for us here and now, but there is indeed a gap of culture and time in history that we have to bridge to understand completely what's happening in what's been written. I mean, after all, if the Bible is God's word and if God is speaking to us through it, I decided I needed to know what he was saying. And surprisingly, that's not as difficult as I thought it would be. Right now, I'm going to talk about a handful of really simple resources that made absolutely the world of difference. The first one was my Bible, a simple English translation, not the King James with the V's and the Thou Arts. There are many good contemporary language translations available to you and me today. The New International Version, or the NIV as it's called, is really popular. I happen to use the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. There's a translation called the Message, which is really in here and now language. The Contemporary English Version, the CEV, the the New English Translation, the NET. Which one's the best? Well, the one that you're going to read. And you can get a thing called a study Bible. It's not just the words of the Bible, but it's also got a huge amount of resources packed into it. It explains the meaning of words. There are notes and maps and cross-references. They're really good, and they don't cost a whole bunch more than a Bible with just the Bible words. So if you want to do more than just skim across the surface, if you really want to know what God's saying, it's really good to have one of those, a study Bible. Check them out. One of the most helpful features in a study Bible is a summary of each book. Who wrote it? When? To whom? Why? Because context is really important. Before I read Ephesians, I read four or five paragraphs in my study Bible which explain the context, and all of a sudden the book of Ephesians made a whole bunch more sense. A study Bible is a really worthwhile investment, 
and it's not much more than an ordinary Bible. You can get one from your Christian bookshop. You can buy one online. I happen to have an electronic one on my tablet device these days. The second resource is my Bible dictionary. Now, I happened to purchase a Bible dictionary called the Holman Bible Dictionary years ago. It's just one single volume. You can get Bible dictionaries that are 25 volumes. Mine was just one volume, and it had pictures. So when I was reading and it talked about the temple in the Bible, I could go to my Bible dictionary and look at it and see pictures and plans and explain the different parts. So I'm able to read just a few paragraphs in a few minutes And I'm there. I understand what the writer's trying to say about the temple, about the holy of holies. See, when the Bible talks about Ephraim, I just look it up under E, find Ephraim, half a column, three minutes, and I know who or what Ephraim is. The story of the Good Samaritan. Who were the Samaritans? What was their relationship to the Jews? Ah, that's what Jesus meant by the story of the Good Samaritan. So, a study Bible a good Bible dictionary, and lastly, the third resource was a Bible timeline. It's one of these things that you can fold out in about four pages wide that shows you the chronology of the Bible. You read about King David. When was he king? Who was king before him? Who was king after him? What else was going on? Which prophets were writing when David was alive? And all of a sudden, you put the whole Bible thing in its time sequence, And that's huge. And just to top things off, let me tell you about two stunning websites. The first is BibleGateway.com, where you can compare different Bible translations. The second, which is truly brilliant, and I really encourage you, if you're online, go to this website, is StudyLight.org. That again, StudyLight.org. It has Bible dictionaries online, the meanings of Greek and Hebrew words, and so many more great resources. And you know what? They are all free. So let me ask you, do you take Jesus seriously? If you do, then you need to take the Bible seriously. And for just a small investment on your part, in just a few simple resources, they pay such huge dividends in hearing and understanding what God is saying to us today through his word. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. With all that this world throws at us, add to that the temptations and the attacks of the devil, man, it's easy to feel powerless some days. But it doesn't have to be that way, not at all, because Jesus has more than enough power available to you right here and now to help you live in the victory that he died and rose again to bring you. And that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of Christianity Works special edition book. It's called Power Unlimited, and it's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to help you lay hold of the incredible power of God to enable you to be all that he's made you to be. Now, this isn't one of our normal monthly booklets. It's a special edition book. And with all my heart, I believe that God wants to unleash his power through it in your life. To request your copy, visit us online at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and I'll send your free book straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that this particular book will be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. 
All right, so let's get back into God's Word because He wants to unleash power, power unlimited, into your life. And one of the ways that He does that is when you hear His Word preached and take it into your heart. There's power, real power, power unlimited, right there in God's Word. If you spend any time with me here on the program, one of the things you will know is that I'm really passionate about God and what he has to say. Not in a religious sort of a way, but in a Jesus sort of a way. The thing that really strikes me about Jesus when you read about him is how plain and matter-of-fact he was about sharing with people who God is and what his plans are. Over these last couple of weeks on the program, we've been looking at what it means to lay hold of God's power unlimited, God's resurrection power that's available to you as you open his word, the Bible, and listen to what he has to say. The Bible is God speaking to us, and he means to challenge us and to stretch us and to encourage us and to bless us through his word. One of the ways that many people get God's word into them is by listening to people speak. Radio programs like this are on television, and of course, when you attend church. But how can preaching and teaching be a part of really getting God's word into us? Over these last 20 years or so, the time that I've been a Christian, I've seen two things. On the one hand, I've been so blessed by some really good teaching, and on the other, I've seen some pretty bad stuff too. In my very first church, a little Baptist church, our pastor's name was Phil Littlejohn. Now, Phil was a gifted teacher. He just had this ability to open God's word and to speak stuff into my heart. I learned later, this is a real gifting. Different people have different gifts and abilities given to them by God, and teaching is one of them. Jesus had that. I mean, time and time again, when he opened his mouth, people were amazed because he spoke with a plainness and a power and an authority that they hadn't heard before. And you know something? He didn't always tell them things they wanted to hear. Love your enemy. Take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life in order to gain your life. It's not exactly good marketing. I mean, the spin merchants would not have let him get up and speak like that today. I've spent quite a bit of time looking at how Jesus preached. It's real, it's powerful, it's balanced on the one hand and radical on the other, and it's sort of, well, it cuts through all the selfish rubbish that we go on with, right to the heart of what God wants to talk about. And my prayer is that when I discharge my gift to teach in my own way, I'll always try and teach like he did. But you know... I've also sat in churches over the years and listened to preachers drone on with with dry and theoretical, completely cerebral stuff that's just not relevant to my life. On more than one occasion, I've walked out after a church service and half an hour later I ask myself, do I remember what he talked about? And the answer is, not really. Or you listen to other speakers and there are a lot of words and they're very entertaining and they make people laugh and they they tickle our ears with great stories and things we want to hear and and they yell and, and people slap them on the back afterwards, praise the Lord. But I've been to some of those too. And well, I felt like I'd been at the Lord's table to be fed, but I left hungry and empty. The flip side of that is that with some other preachers, I can remember years later what they were talking about. Years later, in difficult circumstances, God seems to bring into my heart the words that they spoke to me. Preaching and teaching is one of the ways that God gets his word into us. 
You see it right through the Bible. He uses men and women to speak to others to teach them. I mean, the Samaritan woman at the well, she went and told people about Jesus. Paul and Peter and all the other guys that went out preaching. The question is, how do you get the most out of that? How, how does preaching and teaching play a part in us reading our Bible and unlocking the power unlimited that God has ready and waiting for us? Well, here are just some of my observations. I see people come to church on a Sunday and listen to the preacher and they don't take any notes and they don't bring their Bibles and they don't follow what the preacher's saying in their Bible. Can't tell you. I take my Bible with me. I open my Bible and I read what the preacher is talking about. People can speak all the words that they like, everything that they say. They can crack jokes. They have great stories. But the most important thing is God's Word. The most important thing is what God's saying. And secondly, I take some notes. I mean, you can't even get through kindergarten on half an hour a week without taking notes. You know, if we take God seriously, if we want to follow Jesus and really take that seriously, we've got to take learning seriously. Do you know what the word disciple means? A disciple is literally a learner. That's what the word disciple means, to be a learner. And thirdly, the thing I do when I've listened to some really good preaching is I spend some time afterwards in God's Word reading it back for myself. Sometimes it's not until you get home and you pray it through and you spend some time in that passage and maybe looking at some other related ones that God really drops it into your spirit. I mean, years ago, I heard a preacher teaching a profound message. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your cares upon him, because he cares for you. Now, I've learned so much from what God taught me through that preacher in this passage, but I've learned just as much, maybe even more, from pondering and praying over this one scripture and looking at other related verses. Learning in my heart. See, that's when I humble myself, when I get off my little tin pot throne and just walk each day faithfully with God. He's the one who later opens the doors. He's the one that's got an eternity ready and waiting for me. That's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to draw closer to Jesus through his word and become all that he made them to be. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with the gospel message. It's incredible. That means that a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can give securely through ChristianityWorks.com or by calling us on 1-300-722-415. Again, online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us. In Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 